Tjena grabbar. Hur är läget idag? Hej Martin då. Hej Mikael. Hej Jens. Hej Martin. Det är fint. Det är... Vi är väl langt oppe i vores podcastrække, og i dag skal vi jo på en, på en spændende tur. Men inden vi skal det, så skal vi lige snakke lidt om, hvordan det går. Hvad er der sket i din uge, Jens? Oh, det ikke, ikke, ikke det, det, det store i mit eget system, men, men uh, ugen gik uh, meget med det nordiske uh, meetup omkring uh, ugenlig gennemgang, weekly review, og det det er allerede ude nu, når, når vores øh, podcast kommer. Men det er virkelig et, en god, øh, et godt meetup og, og, og virkelig godt at lytte til. Øh. Ja, det var det. Og, og det er jo også helt sikkert, at vi kommer rigtig meget ind på, øh, på Weekly Review senere. Faktisk i dag er det jo sådan en episode, hvor vi har rigtig meget om GTD og ikke særlig meget om Tech og Tools. Det bliver en kort liste til short notes i dag. Hvad med dig, Martin? Hvordan går det i hør over i Skåne? Det går bare bra. Jeg har hørt, at man har bøjt vaccinere mot, mot pesten. Men det er jo ganske længe til jeg kommer fra min spryta fortfarande. Jeg pratade med min mor i dag, faktisk. Hun er sjukvårdske. Eller hun var sjukvårdske, inden hun blev pensioneret. Men nu er hun tilbage og jobber, for det er så tråkigt, hun har noget at gøre. Så at hun er og vaccinerer masse mennesker. De havde vaccineret 450 personer på bara hennes mottagning då idag och de var fyra sköterskor så det har liksom gått tjuk, 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 hela tiden så att uh, det är kul att det går framåt men det är, det är många som ska, ska få den där sprutan och jag, jag vill ha min så att jag kan leva livet åka till Danmark och träffa, och träffa människor och sådär gå på ströget ja. Ja. och jag har fått min första Pfizer uh, i söndags och det var Fuld af smil, og det var effektivt, og det var, det var bare rigtig dejligt at komme på, på vaccinetoget i, i Danmark og vide, at nu, øh, nu sker der noget, noget der rykker. Noget er det verkligen det, på gang bort. Liksom. Det, det känns ja. så, at nu, nu börjar man kunna känna, at nu, nu kan nog snart livet börja komme tillbaka som det var innan. Ja, præcis. Og, og hvad hedder det? Jeg brugte 25 minutter. 25 minutter på, på min vaccine fra jeg scannede mit bevis og, til jeg gik ud igen efter at have siddet kvar i 15 minutter og ventet. Det, jeg kunne ikke engang mærke at jeg blev, jeg blev vaccineret, så det var bare sådan er du færdig nu? Ja, jeg er færdig. Nå, så gik jeg videre. Så det var fint. Mm. Og sen har jeg jo fået jeg har jo fået et tangentbord som jeg fik ja. slitet på før veckan som jeg er tycker väldigt mycket om. Det är väldigt nördigt och kul, men det är ett sånt här Moonlander heter det. Och det är ett mekaniskt tangentbord som är ergonomiskt dessutom. Så man tänker sig, ni kan ha sett ett sånt här Microsoft ergonomiskt tangentbord som var väldigt populära för som är liksom lite vinklade så att man kan hålla händerna lite mer ergonomiskt. Man kan tänka sig att det ser ut som ett sånt fast man har slått i sönder det på mitten. Så det är två delar som sitter uppe med en liten sladd. Och så är det mekaniska tangenter. Så det är så här klick, 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 klick. Så man, det hörs väldigt tydligt när man skriver på det. Och så är det bakgrundsbelöst såklart med RGB-färger. Och man kan konfigurera det så man har olika lager. Och så beroende på vilka knappar du trycker så olika lösen och sådär. Such a nerd. Precis, det är riktigt, riktigt nördigt. Men 
jag gillar det. Jag tycker det är jättekul. Och man kan ju programmera de här knapparna då. Så att du har en knapp så trycker du en gång på en knapp så händer en sak. Så kan du dubbelklicka på dem så händer någonting annat. Eller så kan du hålla knappen nere. Eller så kan du klicka en gång och hålla sig knappen ner. Så kan du göra olika saker. Så du kan många funktioner på en och samma knapp i ett lag. Och sen så kan du ha massor med lager dessutom för att bara ställa till det totalt. Men det viktiga spörsmålet Martin, det är vad hårdigt skriver du i minuten? Jag, jag gjorde inte det lätt för mig. Jag köpte ju det nya tangentbordet som då är annorlunda att skriva på för att det är delat och sådär. För att nu har jag ju, det är ju jag har ju säkert 20 cm mellan de här två tangentbordshalvorna. Så det blir väldigt annorlunda att skriva bara på grund av det. Sen så gjorde jag det geniala draget att jag bytte tangentbordslayout från att ha den här gamla traditionella kvarti, alltså ett vanligt tangentbord. I och för sig så är det svenskt med de svenska tecknen så till något som kallas för workman. Och då ligger ju inte tangenterna på samma ställe. Så att tittar du på tangentbordet så ligger ju inte T där det brukar ligga utan ligger någon annanstans. Och E ligger väldigt långt bort. Det är ju 21 tangenter då som är flyttade runt på tangentbordet. Och det är anledningen att man använder det här då är att det ska vara mer ergonomiskt. Jag skrev väl nästan 80 ord i minuten innan. Mm. 10 ord i minuten, 12 ord i minuten. Men i morse så var det bara, nej, det här, det här funkar faktiskt inte. Jag kan inte skriva så sakta, det går inte. Jag har bytt tillbaka tangentbordslet till, till kvart i nu. Men jag ska sätta upp ett lager i tangentbordet så enkelt bara med en knapptryckning kan byta till Workman. Så jag kan lära mig det så det sitter. Och det är mm. faktiskt bekvämare att skriva i Workman. Jag känner en, en tydlig skillnad. Men det sitter så in i, i ryggraden efter att ha suttit och skrivit på ett tangentbord i 30 år. Att flytta tangenterna sen, det är väldigt, väldigt konstigt. Tittade vi i show notes så vi, vi kan följa med vad det skrivs lys på. Absolut, jag får ju lämna över skrivandet av show notesen till, till någon av er för att jag skriver ju så sakta nu så att det blir aldrig någon release som jag ska skriva. Og hvordan med dig, Jens? Hvordan går det med dig og drafts og actions og obsidian og alle de ting, der har været i gang i et stykke tid? Det er ikke, ikke, ikke det store andet end det, det bliver mere og mere en vane at få at åbne den, den, den rigtige, den nye øh, draft og få, få, få tingene ind. Øh, og, og jeg, jeg, jeg er glad for at skrive i det. Så, så, så det er stille og roligt, så er det Taget, taget pladsen. Så, så meldingen er, at det går fint. Fornemmer du, det bliver hængende? Eller er det stadigvæk sådan, uh, måske, Capture Tool? Nå, no, altså, jeg, jeg, jeg skal jo bare have noget at skrive på. Så, så, så er jeg jo stort set tilfreds. Så om jeg, jeg tager det ene eller, eller det andet, er ikke så stor betydning, men, men uh, det ser ud til at... at og have nogle, nogle, nogle gode ting, og nogle, nogle gode senider og ting, så der er der bestemt ingen grund til, at, altså det, ikke, ikke at, at tage den, og, og den, den lille draft feature, med, med at, at starte med en, en blank note, så snart man åbner den, det er noget, jeg virkelig godt kan lide, da jeg lige vendte mig til, at hvor pokker min, min note blevet af. Ja, men det kan noget, ikke? Jo, bestemt. Ja, det kan det. Ja. Jeg har øh, en time før vi startede vores recording op, så fik jeg en øh, invitation til testflight af en, øh, af en taskmanager, som jeg har brugt i mange år. 
Og forhistorien er, at øh, der blev skrevet ud på Twitter, at nu var der åben for invitationer til, til Omnifocus version 4, og det var, jeg tror faktisk, det var dig, Jens, der retweetede eller sendte mig en DM med det. Jeg kom så tre minutter for sent til at komme med i første runde, og de kørte det på tid. Så, men nu her for en time siden, der fik jeg den. Og det, der er ude i test i Omnifocus version 4 lige nu, det er iOS-versionen og iPad-OS-versionen. Og jeg tror, at vi kommer til at se en Omnifocus, som ser rigtig anderledes ud. Den er, bliver lavet meget om i forhold til udseende, og jeg ved også fra en Omnifocus 4 Slack-gruppe, at der er rigtig, rigtig mange spændende features på vej. Så det, det er noget, som vi kommer til at blive underholdt med et stykke tid, så hver gang jeg spørger Jens om drafts, så kan han spørge mig om, om det er Fokus 4. <laughs> det, det er kedeligt at se det, for du sitter her og løser som en liten sol. Ja. <laughs> Verkligen ja, er også, øh... kedeligt at ha nye, nye blænkende saker at teste, fremfalt om man da er en af de forlykkeligt utvalgte. Og det dejlige, det er, at det er en separate install, så det er ikke fordi, at jeg har skiftet mit gode gamle driftsikre Omnifocus 3 ud. Det er simpelthen en, en, en separat binær, som, som kører på min egen søgdatabase op på Omnifocus, så jeg er home safe på det. Jeg må gerne være boxy og sådan noget. Det skal nok gå. Mac-versionen er ikke kommet nu, men den, den kommer så i, i næste runde. Det er ulike databaser, du kører helt og holdet på gamle og nye. Det er samme database, men det er forskellige binære apps. Okay. Så, så hvis jeg laver en ændring i Omnifocus 3, så kan jeg også se den over i 4. Og det er fint nok. Der er ikke, så vidt jeg kunne forstå på Ken Case, er der ikke de store forandringer i, i database-strukturen, og de supporterer også stadigvæk Omnifocus 2 på den samme database på forskellige binære. Så, så sådan er det. Hvad skal vi tale om i dag? Vi har ju en intervju idag som jag har varit lite nyfiken på och så där för att jag känner ju inte personen så väldigt väl tidigare. Jag har sprungit på honom på nätet lite grann. Men det var ju din idé Michael att vi skulle bjuda in Sebastian. Eller hur? Ja, det var det. Sebastian han är ju vår äh, favoritskandinav i Tyskland. Äh, Sebastian Precis. han är advokat, han dukar upp på... Äh, alle mulige GTD-meetups og Clubhouse, og, og må ikke også vi får hævet ham til landet på et tidspunkt. Sebastian, han, øh, han er meget reflekterende øh, menneske. Han er en, øh, en, øh, et, et, et menneske, som har kørt GTD i rigtig mange år, og har været rundt om rigtig mange ting. Øh, og det, der adskiller ham fra os tre, og måske mange i vores, i, blandt vores lyttere, det er, at Sebastian, han er... Udover at han er tysker, så er han også advokat. Så det lyder jo sådan meget, der skal være orden på tingene. Og det er der også hos Sebastian, men vi har et, et, et rigtig godt interview, som kommer, som kommer op med ham her lige om lidt. Men hvorfor drøjet på det? Lad os hoppe ind og prata med Sebastian direkt. Because we have a guest today from uh, an almost a friend of ours, right? It's a German attorney that is popping up everywhere in everything GTD-related uh, <laughs> events in, in the Nordics and in Clubhouse. And uh, so I want to welcome Sebastian to to our podcast. And uh, I know that we have 
a long agenda in front of us and we will try to be as condensed as we can, but it always turns out talking to Sebastian, it's very nice conversations. So I can say, you know, without any doubt in my mind that this is my favorite German. <laughs> really. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. So and, welcome uh, to the show, uh, Sebastian. Thank you very much. I'm honored. Uh, I'm honored. I'm, I'm really happy that you started that endeavor with the Smarter podcast. And um, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to being on one of the uh, legendary initial first recordings of this long going project, I hope. Yeah, hopefully it's going to be a very long project. And it is actually we have, you know, we are recording a bit in advance and we have lots of good stuff on the shelf already. So, um, so that's good. So Sebastian, um, There are so many things that we can talk with you about, uh, and of course we're gonna we're gonna center this this conversation around GTD and being the four of us in in this uh, Zoom room, we will definitely touch upon some tools as well and 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 workflows and stuff like mm. that. Um, a bit of a pre-story for me: I have lived together with an attorney for many many years. Actually, my good friend and mother of two of my children. Christina has been an attorney for 25 years and I struggle teaching her any GTD and that's an ongoing endeavor. So, oh, yeah. you know, and, and uh, when I look at attorneys, they have really good workflows. They have definitely a sense of due dates because what they say in court, the date matters and, and you know, they are really punctual and everything, right? Compared to IT people maybe, or at least a guy like me. So, You know how? Who are you first of all, and what is uh, what is GCD for you in in your life and in your work? Mm -hmm. uh, okay, who am I? The level five question. Let's let's uh, yeah. dumb, uh, let's <laughs> uh, let's skim it down a little bit. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm an attorney, as you said. I'm, I'm living in the Cologne, Düsseldorf area of Germany, so Western Germany. Um, have been practicing as an attorney for eight years now. Um, before that, the usual career studying at university. I did a PhD, um, uh, was in uh, America for quite some time there to do some research. Um, and uh, I uh, stumbled upon GTD in my um, university studies, um, touched upon it, read about it, um, implemented a bit of it, and then it just went in, moved into the background a little bit i simply didn't need it because frankly as a student you are pretty um you have a, a lot of projects but everything is kind of running by itself at least it was in in in, in my uh, student career and um i started doing gtd heavily uh, in uh, immediately when i entered uh, the the legal market and when i started working as an attorney yeah so um uh, gtd came into my life as a solid rock that I needed and I, that I absolutely depend upon now uh, in work times and in my work field. But of course, once you start doing GTD in earnest, it's an all-encompassing endeavor. And of course, you are also using it for your, for your private life and you use it there and you start monitoring something that people could call work-life balance mm -hmm. uh, and all of this, that good things. Yeah. Yeah. So have you, just out of curiosity, of course, um, have, have your system always been a, a full life or did you start with the legal work or the private life or, you know, what, what, what was your, your kick in mm. to GGD? How, what was that process like for you? 
Well, initially, when I started as a student, it was more like an all-encompassing private school uh, system. Um, I started with a with a little moleskin notebook because those were the hip things in 2004, 2005, when when uh, Merlin Mann wrote about GTD and you know all that old blog stuff uh, came up. But then, uh, as I said, it I had a hiatus, and then when it came back, it first took over my work life. I first used it to organize the the more and more of the work tasks that were growing and uh, to keep steady. But then uh, very quickly, I, um, uh, I I also started to organize my private life, uh, albeit in separate systems. That's uh, maybe something that not everybody does, and I would not necessarily recommend it for everyone. Uh, it, it just grew out of necessity because I needed for com compliance and for confidentiality reasons, I needed to use the law firm's system for my uh, legal GTD, so to speak, and I just wanted to use uh, OmniFocus at that time uh, for my private system because I was running a Mac privately. And uh, yeah, that more or less warranted that I have two separate systems and uh, they now have merged. Uh, that's another chapter in, in my GTD story, but yeah, that's how it began. I know that you were uh, eight or nine months ago left your old law firm to start a new endeavor in another firm. So, you know, and I've been thinking about how, how does that actually influence your practice? Did you just take your practice mm. 100% implemented in, in the new firm? And mm. and how is that, you know, coming in as a seasoned and skilled GTD as you are, yeah. you know, meeting your people, your, your colleagues and clients, new clients maybe, uh, with all these great, GTD questions and you know I yeah. think that uh, you know what, what what's your experience on that yeah um, it, it was a very interesting experience I was not able to use the same system because the new firm was uh, is using other IT systems um, I was uh, relying on Outlook uh, in the old firm and now uh, we don't use Outlook at least we don't use Outlook with Exchange so all the task and other syncing functionality is not available to me so I had a forced break in the system yeah mm -hmm. um interestingly this was less of an effort when it came to the lists and the list managing part of the system than i uh, expected it to be um, i think if you are not um, maybe shuffling around 300 next actions if you have the typical 5200 next actions that uh, people usually tend to do um, you can port them quite easily and you do that by doing a very thorough and very interesting weekly review a mm. big review actually uh, so that that's, that was actually quite fun um, the problems were not in transitioning the problems i didn't encounter in transitioning the system but uh, what was a problem and what still is a little bit of a problem is that the security that comes with using a system for one or two or three or four years and that that um, backbone trust into your system that has to grow anew yeah? and this is why i now have become very critical of system switching and trying out things i'm very interested in it and in programs and i could i i, I assure you i could try out a new tool every other week every week but i this experience has made me very very cautious about the trust that i have to build up in the system that i use and it actually has led me to deliberately using the dumbed down version of a system that you can use. I've been going back to paper for a while because I felt that I need some sort of a 
catharsis, some sort of a GTD systems diet, and I need to separate the geek part of my personality from the GTD part of my personality. And then slowly, when I gain trust in my new workflows, then I can start implementing, and I already started implementing it, to be honest, <laughs> uh, started that, yeah. I'm all stunned talking to a lawyer. I don't do that every day. So I'm, I don't know if I dare to even speak, but <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, when, when I, I recognize what you say and, and um, when I start with my system or use my system, it's the trust in the system is mm. really important. And essentially the trust in any application I've, I'm using, I need to trust the, the application I put data in so I can find it. We talked about that in our earlier episodes um, when it comes to note-taking and those kind of things. That's why I personally prefer to use a very basic, a very slim down list manager. I, I don't have too much bells and whistles in my list manager. It's quite easy uh, or straightforward. And I review my whole system when I do my weekly review, for example, because that is important for me so I can trust and feel that I have the control over my GTD system. But mm. now you, you mentioned that you changed the system and it took some time for you to build the trust. How? What, what was the approach for you? How did you gain that level of trust in the new system? But first of all, using it and reviewing it constantly, of course, starts building up the trust. Secondly, if you are switching systems, if you are not newly endeavoring into the GTD world, you have that kind of feeling that it will come back. Yeah. The trust will come back because you know what you are doing is not, you're not walking into the unknown. It's just that you need to reorient yourself a little bit, but you know where you, where you headed. Yeah. Um, the third thing I did was I actually painted a map of my system. What do I mean by that? Um, I used um, a little um, software tool um, where you could, it wasn't, it's, it's not really a mind map, but a process map. And I started by um, matching, uh, sketching out every kind of inbox that I have. And then with, um, with little arrows, sketching out where do these inputs go? Um, what do I use for storing my next action lists on the work side and on the private life side? This, this was before I decided to merge them. So I made a process map of my system. And as usual, when you sketch something out, when you make a concept map of something, you get to know it very well. You know it intimately. And then, of course, your trust level also uh, raises. It sounds like you're a very visual person. Uh, yeah, uh, to a certain extent, yes. I, I'm uh, more and more prone to using uh, mind maps. Uh, I've also started, uh, this is also interesting, I've, since I switched the paper, so the list part of my system back to paper, I never thought about it, but I, I've started sketching out mind maps on paper too. And for some reason, this helps me uh, to just refocus from the digital environment. I'm still a highly digital person. Um, I don't really use, so everything I, I capture on paper uh, ends up kind of, uh, either in my, in my paper lists or in a digital reference system. And I'm very digital in working from day to day and I love using apps and uh, mind mapping apps, apps like MindNote or the concept drawing system that was Miro, the app that I used. Um, it's also very nice. And there are so many other very cool apps that, that I really like to use. But still, um, getting back to uh, take, getting some use out of paper was a very pleasant surprise. I'm very interested. I would like love to have a paper-based system, but I don't dare to go there. 
Uh, I'm afraid I'm going to lose some of the functionality that I really rely on in my digital list manager, like yeah, the, the, the dates. Tagging, the tagging really sucks. It doesn't work very well. <laughs> As Michael knows, I, I'm not very prone to use too much tags. I use for context and those kind of things, but it's more the date thing that I really would, uh, would miss out mm. that you can't filter and have things automatically come up. Maybe, I'm not using due date so much in my list manager, but uh, I defer things so they... They go away until I get to that date. And that is something I really, really like and think is really, really smooth. As, uh, uh, as Morten Røvik uh, recently uh, named due date to the, no, defer dates to the dirty cousin of, uh, of due dates, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think yeah, that, there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, actually there is. Um, I think that uh, doing these... Uh, massive uh, system changes right it's, it's also a um, a point in time where you actually take and and look at your practice and say that's what i always find i find that either i'm ahead with my practice and behind with my system or i'm ahead with my system and behind with my practice it's finding that's that kind of sweet spot uh, and as the listeners will know and 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 Jens will certainly know is that uh, a year ago we took the nuclear option i think it's about a year ago now took the nuclear option on uh, on my system and and just completely removed it and and started it from scratch and uh, that process which went on for about three months or something i think before i was where i wanted to be was really improving my practice actually you know deleting my system building it up from scratch and thinking through, you know, when will I need this? What form will I have it in? What do I do with Caption? It's a really healthy thing uh, for your DGD. And actually, I think that, you know, everybody should try killing their system every once in a while and, and starting mm. it from scratch, right? Because it's, yeah, it's it's a healthy experience. But there are certain things that for me, that cannot change. There are some cornerstones in my system. Is in my case, it's my it's my capture tool and uh, and my task manager. You know, I would really hate to work on a different task manager because I spent mm. invested so heavily in it, and I like it very much. Right? And and I exactly to the point of what you're saying, building trust. Know if I put it into my task manager, uh, my OmniFocus, I know okay then it's under control one way or the other and I can always find mm. it, right? It's, uh... Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and it's it's interesting. I thought, of course, I thought the same before I switched firms, yeah? But as usual, when the house burns down, uh, uh, you have you have no choice, yeah? Um, uh, luckily, neither the old firm burned down nor the new firm uh, forced me into something. It was it was a wonderful experience. The transition it could have been really awful, and it was wonderful from both sides. But this, the fact that the system went away was was of course um, a, a grave concern to me. Um, but it was interesting, and uh, I think I learned a lot. I'm also starting to think that. Thinking about the system as one system is is, uh, is is not a good approach because I don't know a lot of people who do not combine elements uh, out of uh, different apps or even out of different media in their system. Now, I'm one of those com combiners now. I do a lot of capture still digitally. Um, I have a shortcut that sends an email to me or my assistant. Um, I use drafts, uh, but I also use the note uh, taker wallet. Um, and these kind of combinations, these very individual combinations, that's nothing that you can 
find anywhere in a, in a description or in, in the GTD book. That's something that you have to work out for yourself and you adapt constantly. And uh, that's the beauty of, of GTD. It works with every kind of system. Did you take your old system? Uh, uh, now I don't, if I switch from a company, which I also recently did, was I just dumped all work out of my task manager. And just started. And was that the same for you? I'm, I'm dumping, you know, client information, uh, projects, everything. Just could be a little different with lawyers because you, some of you, take your clients with you to a new firm, right? Yeah. It. Uh, it. Uh, I, and now um, you can count how many times I give the answer. This is the first time. The typical lawyer answer. It depends. Uh, it depends on the client. Yeah. Um, yeah if does. the client decides to move on with you, then you will, uh, with the permission of the client and in cooperation with your old firm, move over some stuff. And this may also mean that you will be continuing an ongoing project uh, with that client. And then you will. So what I did, I was just using printouts of of Outlook because, because everything was to else was to cum cumbersome. I just printed out the stuff that I needed, and then I entered it into my my uh, my new system. And I was um, honestly, it was not so much about the next actions. Um, it was more the projects and the leads and opportunities kind of things that that I was really interested in transitioning over and and there were other clients and other projects uh, that stayed with the old firm where i just as as you just said i could just uh, shred them and uh, that that chapter was over then mm -hmm. I, i i'd like to talk a little bit about uh, the natural planning model in your context of work but mm -hmm. before we do that i would really love you know we are so lucky that we have actually a gtg trainer on board on this uh, podcast crew and i would love to ask uh, martin you know can you explain for the for the listeners who you know maybe are new to dgd or don't have a clue to npm what is that actually what is the idea behind uh, the npm natural planning model yeah so as you said and npm is the natural planning model and that is what you should be using instead of the unnatural planning model but the unnatural planning model is what we usually do so You probably have walked into to a meeting or in a project sometime where you have realized that this this project has just exploded or gone wrong and you're stuck and someone says, okay, is there anyone that has any good ideas? And what you're doing here is that you're actually starting in the wrong end. So when, when you're doing the natural planning model, instead of starting to brainstorm, we're actually starting to figure out what is it we want to do? What is the purpose of this thing? And then we, when we know that, we can continue down the, 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 the path and we can figure out, okay, now when we know the purpose of this, what is the, the standards and what, what the, do we want to achieve? What rules do we need to abide? What requirements do we have? And all these kind of things. And how would a, a great success look like for us? And it's first when we have all of this information that we can actually go down to start brainstorming. And when we have that we can brainstorm in a good way. And then, of course, we should brainstorm in a very open way so that we can get as much information. And it's first after that brainstorming that we then continue down the normal project planning route to, to figure out what projects we do we have, what is the next action, who has this next action, and so on. And then the fifth step is actually to, to execute and get this project rolling. So that, that is the one-minute uh, description of the natural planning model. The elevator pitch. The elevator pitch, yes. 
And Sebastian, uh, I would like to pass it on to you again. Uh, are you actually actively using the NPM in? Uh, I know you're using it in your private life, uh, private part of your of your of your system. But are you also using it uh, in your work with colleagues and clients? Yes, um, uh, I actually do. The the NPM part of my practice is actually growing uh, more and more. I don't label it NPM all the time, but the approach starting with a why and what do we want to achieve approach and then organizing uh, and then uh, brainstorming and organizing. This is a very good approach. It's a natural approach, rightly told so. Um, And it can have huge benefits to clarify the real intent behind a, um, uh, behind, yeah, the work that a client has assigned to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, I was approached by a client who wanted to defend against a, a basically a claim letter that he received from one of his old business partners. Um, the usual approach would be to draft an answer and then to discuss it with your client. Mm-hmm. Um, in this approach, you do some brainstorming, you come up with legal arguments. Your presumption is that the directive of the client is to fully defend against everything in the letter. And that's where you build your draft upon. If you use the natural planning model and have a talk with your client, have a chat with your client, you can ask the client, why do you want to defend against this letter? What's behind this letter? What's have, what has been going on? What's the backstory about this? And where do we want to go? Do we want to defend? Do we want to uh, raise counter arguments? Uh, do we want to defer this? Uh, is it not about uh, how, but only about when? Um, uh, do we want to very quickly come to a peaceful resolution? Or is there any interest, and there can be a legitimate interest, for an escalation or for delaying things? Yeah, And all of these things, of course, heavily influence the tactic and the, and the strategical decisions that you make. Um, and all of these things you can unveil if you just follow the steps of the natural planning model and talk about the why and the what with the client before you go into uh, your brainstorming with him or your own legal brainstorming. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and this is um, this is usually uh, this is a great benefit to my practice. This is the client-facing side of the natural planning model, and of course for myself. So I do. Uh, both non-contentious work, working with clients, drafting contracts, and also litigation and arbitration. Mm. So court hearings and, and arbitration hearings. And in those um, litigation and arbitration proceedings, of course, there's a lot to organize. So um, uh, maybe even uh, that the why is is clarified to a certain extent, but the what can change and the brainstorming elements can change and having a structured model that you can reapply. And this is also very important. The national planning model, to my mind, is not something that you once apply and then it's gone and then you wait for the next project, but you can reapply it. You can assess your ongoing projects uh, and you can even do a post-mortem on your projects by using these natural planning model stuff. And of course, this this helps me immensely in organizing all of these uh, more organizational aspects, the, the, yeah, the just, just the organizing of a hearing that's coming up and all the things you have to think about and so on and so on. So I use it uh, quite heavily. Yeah. yeah. Also think, and it's, it's also my experience in, in daily work, someone comes to me and uh, says, oh, we need to have a meeting with this client and uh, could you please draft an agenda? And she's like, what is, what is you want with this meeting? What is the desired outcome of the meeting and what are the long-term goals of this? And that uh, that 
it doesn't have to be a long discussion, but it mm-hmm. certainly makes it easier to to draft a really good agenda, right? And okay, this is where we're going, so I would like to go with this. And it, it it's kind of uh, for my work, it's it's uh, being maybe one of the most powerful things of GTD actually after my weekly review maybe but using the npm is is really powerful if you get it in as you know as breathing right that's the way you think it's 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 what comes out of your mouth when somebody asks you to do something yeah. i think that is one of the beauties with uh, GTD and especially the npm uh, approach is that you can do npm really small things it doesn't have to be a big huge project that you're doing npm on but you can do it on just a small thing and of course, then it's a quicker pro- a process. But if it's a bigger project, it takes a little bit more time. But you can use it in, in yeah. various sizes. So I think that is super powerful. But um, also in, in, in the GTD process, and, and you know, it is so much easier to find the good next actions once you have done the thinking, right? <laughs> that actually helps your projects moving along. Absolutely. And think about what you do when you think about your higher horizons. Aren't you NPMing your higher horizons then? Where, why do I want, why am I here? What do I want to achieve? It's basically NPMing yourself more or less. And it works. It works. It's very powerful and it's very hard work. (laughs) And I think that is quite interesting. We're talking about NPM and now we start to talk about the horizons of focus. And for me, horizons of focus was probably the last thing in the whole methodology that I started to work with personally, because for me, it's really hard to approach because uh, I know what I like to do and those kind of things, but I have never really thought about why am I here and these kind of things. So that was a hard thing for me to start working on and and getting down on paper. So it actually took me Mm -hmm. probably two years to get my horizons of focus out into a format that is is quite good and I can actually use it. What, mm. what was your road or uh, approach to, to getting Horizons of Focus out? Yeah, um, so I, I, from talking to a lot of GTDs over the last one to two years, um, I think it's fairly normal that you start digging into the higher horizons usually two to three years after you started your practice, maybe a little earlier, but not instantly. Um, and it was the same for me. I started to use GTD as a lawyer in earnest when I entered my job and uh, around 2017, 2018, I started to work on the higher horizons and I got a huge boost when I visited the GTD summit because for some reason this uh, yeah just changed my perspectives, uh, opened up a lot of things. And after that, I, I, I earnestly started working with the mind map that I'm continuously refining and uh, yeah, I just work on it uh, a few times uh, in a quarter, maybe once a month. In the weekly review, I try to touch upon the contents of it. But honestly, for a weekly review, it's too much to revisit all of it every week. And it's probably also not necessary. Um, I recently asked David what he recommends when you should um, visit, actually revisit the higher horizons. And his answer was just when you feel like it. Don't uh, schedule something in, but just... Uh, when you feel scuzzy about your higher alignment, then then go and revisit that. And that's what I'm doing. And what's very important for me is that I had to overcome a certain threshold where I had a lot of things in my higher horizons definitions that were more or less generic. I had things in there like, I want to live in a nice house. 
No, it's nice to have it in there. Everybody wants to live in a nice house, but why do you want to live in a nice house? How does that nice house uh, look like? Or maybe it's not relevant if you live in a house or a flat or a houseboat or whatever. Yeah. Um, so uh, that was um, a boost for me when I um, when I start. What I what I started to do is I started to visualize the outcomes of the contents of my high horizons maps. And I wrote little uh, little descriptions of how it looks like um, uh, when I do what I'm having in there. For example, I'm in my my high horizon here now. That um, says we we regularly go on on vacation, and I have a little description of how the how I think the the nice vacation uh, with my partner is, is 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 spent, and what we do in the vacation. That we have days to relax and days to have fun and days to explore and. And, and and just um, try to have a very colorful description of it in there. That was the next level. So I started sketching them out uh, after some time, and then I started making them more and more my own and moving away from those generic one-word descriptions. And that that's that's a new quality, and I'm quite happy with it now. And of course, when I switched firms, uh, the higher horizons became very important because first of all, there were my guiding system in making the decision about changing careers. They were some sort of a guiding system in finding out what uh, is important for me when I um, start the new endeavor. And of course, they also were changed and altered and the transition process became a part of my areas of focus and a part of my uh, two to five year goals and so on. So this, of course, heavily influenced what what's in my high horizons map at the moment. I also think what what you get from from the high horizons and is the uh, the power to actually manage dramatic change in your life. Mm. Uh, I've, uh, in different areas, I've been you know. Experiencing some of that the last nine months, right? Uh, changed my job, uh, and also have uh, you know uh, one of my children who has had a really really tough time, and it is so powerful. Not on Horizon Five, but to go and look at your areas of responsibility and say, okay, what I what is it actually I'm going to do in this area of responsibility for the next six months or the next uh, the next year right where do we want to drive that and align it if it's another person you know really align that ambition with that other person you know recognize where we are and say you know how do you feel about we're going this way right? um, mm. another example of, of that was uh, you know I I try to influence uh, my uh, my my youngest teenager to do some GTD and 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 Introduce it to her as well. Say so. So, uh, what is my role in for my 14, soon to be fourteen year old daughter? That is really to you know overall you know why am I doing this? What is the role I'm playing right now? And right now it is to be the father that can guide her safely and healthy into her adult life. Right. That is the long term thing that is going to happen over the next. And what are the projects that we are going to focus on? It's going to happen over that period. What is we going to experience together? You know, and all you know, tons of matters in in that area. And that is, you know, hadn't I, you know, if I hadn't done the higher horizons, you know, I've never, you know, came to that point. To be honest, right? And mm. you know. Maybe by incident, but not this structured way. And say, okay, now I have a plan. And and now we have the 
your horizons of focus and uh, your habits around a natural planning model. Uh, do you have other GTD habits that uh, are worth mentioning uh, here? Have you yeah. done some reflection while shifting from one job to another about your GTD habits? Yeah, I think there there are a few challenges that um, that come from from my profession, and this is this maybe touches upon what what Michael said in the in, in the introduction um, that uh, that he doesn't know a lot of lawyers who, who actually use GTD. Depending on what kind of practice area you are working in, you are um, you are dealing with a high amount of uh, unforeseen tasks. So. Um, Uh, looking at the threefold uh, nature of work, the planning uh, of uh, next actions and of tasks, and uh, the doing planned work and the doing unplanned work, the um, the part of the unplanned work can take over uh, a lot of your uh, your day and a lot of your weeks. Um, there are a lot of um, uh, processes, be it in in, in litigation, be it uh, out of court, where you are reacting and not acting, and you have to be flexible. Um, there are situations in which you have to be very fast. So this is all unplanned work. And being aware of this, these three categories um, gives you some sort of a superpower, um, meaning that you can switch to a meta view um, of what you are doing right now. You are aware, okay, this is unplanned work. This is okay. I don't have to be overwhelmed because I could not foresee it. Uh, let's tackle it uh, as a stoic tackles it, just accept it and deal with it. And be aware that the planned work component is in a safe place. That is your GTD system that you have reviewed and be aware that you will return to the planned work through the third part, through the planning part of the threefold nature of work. So this approach It's not something I, I I use. It's not something that I take out on a piece of paper. But just this knowledge, this categorical knowledge, and this systematical knowledge, this meta knowledge about how we do work that David included in the book, this is also uh, immensely helpful. Yeah, um, just being aware of these processes uh, can give you a little bit of a trust in in that you are doing the right thing, and that it's sometimes is completely okay if you are in reaction mode for two or three days because it, this is just what it is at the moment i think uh, it's everyone knows right that these three levels exist you know it without knowing uh, uh, but the funny thing when you do the the training of the the gtd the, the level one training that is the first one It's the same thing on every training. When you get to to the fifth fifth step of the, the workflow process, when you talk about engaging, where the threefold nature work is one of the things we talk about there, and the aha moment when people, yeah, that's how it is. Why haven't I been thinking about my my work life like this and realize that I actually need to have time for all of these three different areas and not only to uh, jam things into the calendar and only work from the calendar yeah. because there is always mm. things coming in or only work on the uh, the things that shows up so i think that is i think it's so powerful when you realize that yeah this is how life is i just need to arrange my life and and work out of it so i make sure that there is time for for all the three areas yeah uh, I, i i i totally agree 
Um, one add-up or one uh, one observation from my end. If you look at the threefold nature of work, um, doing planned work, it's all fine. Everybody does it. Doing unplanned work is also fine. But planning, the acceptance that you need time to uh, to uh, go through the five steps, that you need time to process, to clarify, to organize, the acceptance that this is not five minutes a day, it's not 10 minutes a day, it's usually more than 30 to 90 minutes a day if, if a lot of things come in. This acceptance is something that's prone to GTDs because David unraveled it and David defined it. And this is something that's very difficult in environments where GTD is not so common um, because sometimes, and uh, some law firms are, are also, law firms in general, so the legal industry works still on billable hours. So you can imagine that everything that you do that's not billable to a certain client uh, is always problematic. You should limit it to a minimum. Uh, imagine taking this approach to your planning work. This becomes really, really difficult uh, if you um, can only plan under the stress that you have to switch to a billable project again. So you um, have. Uh, I'm I'm very happy to have um, colleagues um, that that accept these planning approaches and that are of the same opinion, even though they are not GTDs. That planning is important and reflection is important. But I know about a lot of toxic work environments where um, there's not much planning. The only thing that lawyers are very good in is um, uh, abiding by time limits. And this is their planning instrument. And this is why a lawyer does not only have the time limit recorded or the deadline recorded, you also have a pre-warning deadline one week ahead and two weeks ahead because lawyers usually are heavily driven by their calendar systems, even if the thing that they are reminded about is not uh, shouldn't be recorded in the hard landscape. It, it shouldn't be a time attribute done to it. There doesn't have to be a deadline and still the thing is in the calendar. and. Uh, is organized with a calendar. Yeah. I so recognize what you say, <laughs> really. <laughs> um, it, 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 and it leads me to the question of, you know, do you have uh, uh, firm colleagues that are actually uh, using GCD? <laughs> Let's say they are still on my area of focus and uh, <laughs> higher horizons map. <laughs> okay. But they are aware of the system and um, they are increasingly interested in um, the methodological uh, approaches. And um, yeah, let's see where that goes. I'm uh, in the beginning of, of, of me doing GTD, I gave away a lot of uh, books and uh, talked to a lot of people. I'm a little bit more leaned back nowadays because I think living by example and uh, waiting until you get approached my colleagues that's the way to go so when we uh when we had a new uh, first year associate in our team uh some at some point in the coffee kitchen the conversation turned to ah, how do you organize all of this and then of course i knew that my time has come and i i didn't give him the book <laughs> i didn't overload him but i said you need two lists on one list you write down all of your projects, all of the outcomes that you are responsible for and everything that is on your radar, every case, every internal project. And on the other list, you note down um, what is the next physical step that I have to do to reach the goals in the other list. And you review that once a week. And when we do a review or when we uh, discuss about what's coming up in the week, you bring those two lists to me. 
And if you have something that you want to talk to me about, you do a third list and you just write uh, Sebastian on top of it and you note down everything that you want to talk about it. And the colleague implemented it in paper. He, uh, I don't know whether he knows that he's doing GTD. I think I came clear uh, a few months later and then gave him the book. But um, I think this is the way to <laughs> to spread the word, yeah, uh, by slowly feeding the people when they when they are in need of information. It is it is certainly uh, the best approach if if you have uh, friends or colleagues that are you know in some kind of need and 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 know it themselves right that is uh, mm. then you really have a valid offering but you can also you know be so happy about being Jijadia that you that you're gonna be kind of an influencer so I do like this and blah, 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 talk about it guy like me um, to talk about uh, all the great values and 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 all the stuff you get is which is the output of having a GTD yeah. implemented in your life right and uh, yeah that can also be inspiring for some people so so yeah. I was just curious whether whether you know you're trying to to influence your colleagues on uh, on, on doing GTD. of course I mean I'm a lawyer I, I have to be manipulative right yeah. <laughs> 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 no, but what I'm just saying is, um, uh, usually um, being very, very loud about it doesn't doesn't work in my experience. At least with with uh, the, with the, I, I, as I said, I gave a, I gave away a few copies of the book, and I know that the colleagues read them. But um, it's there has to be some sort of um, the, compelling the, the person event. asking you has to be in need of a solution. Yeah. Um, uh, then, then uh, he, he uh, then he or she will be susceptible to adopting the system. Yeah. But uh, now you have worked quite a long time with the GTD. Have, have you been able to adjust or customize your GTD practice uh, a, a bit? Taking, yeah, for example, uh, the cash cognition approach with the cognitive preferences, preferences, or, or any other things customize it uh, gtd for you yeah so i'm uh, this is a very important field and actually that uh, i'm i'm really happy uh, about um uh, hearing more and more about kairos cognition because i think this is a an add on um to to gtd or a new aspect of gtd that has now is now emerging a little bit also in some podcasts and in some discussions and i've taken the test and i'm Uh, I'm uh, I'm thinking about the the results, and I must say that what the, the result of the test was um, uh, was really describing me. And now I'm I'm trying to um, to implement this. But other than that, and uh, outside of of the Kairos cognition system, of course, you customize your system. Um, for me, one of the big challenge for for lawyers is there are a lot of next actions that um, are not very tangible. Yeah. Um, Write the next brief is a next action. Write a chapter to the next brief is next action. Everything is very vague. Um, everything is very untangible. And that's that's a little bit of a challenge that you have to get used to. And it's, of course, it, it could be easier if all of your next actions would be call Fred about this or uh, talk to Susan about that or research that in the internet. But on the one hand, you cannot record every micro step in, in these projects. And it's not let's say economical to do so 
And on the other hand, you have to be careful not uh, to make your next actions not too vague and not too big. So you have to find a sweet spot there, like work 45 minutes on a brief could be, for example, a, um, a next action that works for me, but it could be that it doesn't work for another lawyer implementing GTD. Yeah. Um, and also, um, of course, the, the context area um, is, is one area that is highly customizable. Um, for me, it's important to have in, in, in certain times where I have certain um, specific types of work, I need a context where every kind of drafting work is, um, uh, is, um, uh, is procured under that um, uh, I need more than 30 to 45 minutes for. Because I need one list of um, deep thinking drafting work that I should do in the morning when the phone doesn't ring and so on. And the drafting of emails that takes me 10 or 20 minutes should be on another list. Yeah. So I have two contexts for that sometimes. And sometimes I don't have two contexts for that. And in very stressful times, I had uh, a meta context with a little exclamation mark. Um, when I introduced this uh, to another group of GTD, as I said here, the, I confess I have a meta context. It's uh, I'm, I'm not using canonical GTD there, but uh, I needed this in, in sometimes in my work too. When everything uh, started burning and when the fire started uh, scaling up around me, to really digest the most important things that I cannot forget about and that are very critical, even though they are maybe not uh, on my calendar because they are not time specific. Yeah. Um, so these are the little uh, tricks and customizations that you do. And I think e every profession has different challenges when it comes to these. And everyone, uh, every lawyer, if you would use GTD, would have uh, different challenges. It highly depends on your practice area and on, on your persona and, and on mm -hmm. how you're structured. But that's the good thing about GTD. I mean, you can customize that thing uh, absolutely to your liking. It's, it's, a, it's a systematic approach. You are free in adopting it. and. Uh, it works beautifully every time. I wanna, I wanna move a, a little bit along, uh, but but just by summing this, uh, the things with preferences and and time, because that has been a discussion that some of us, uh, some of us have had uh, for the for you know a period, uh, whether we should spend you know an hour on the weekly review or we should just spend like. Like I do it, if need be, three hours, fine by me, but completely hopeless for other, right? And for other people or other people with other preferences. And uh, um, so, but, but, but with that, I want to, you know, I want to move it a little bit along to, to, uh, to the reflection part and, and to, to how you actually do your, your weekly review. And if we can combine it with, you know, what tools do you use? What, what is your workflow around your, Around your around your weekly review, for a long time I did two weekly reviews because my systems were separated into a private and a, and a, a job system. Uh, nowadays it's it's one system. Um, I think I fairly stick to the usual sequence of things. Um, I um, start by emptying my head. Uh, I actually in an, in another um, conversation a few days ago I learned that it could be a very good approach to. Uh, do the collection at the end or at the later stage. This is very interesting. I'm definitely going to try it out. I didn't come around uh, to do it yet, but I found it in very intriguing. But so far, I have done this uh, at the beginning of my uh, of my weekly review. Uh, actually, I must confess, if there's one thing I should do more often, that's mind sweeps. 
I think I'm pretty good at capturing, but sitting down and doing this mind dumb thing, uh, uh, doing a mind sweep maybe every morning for one or two weeks and, and just see what happens. This is something I could improve. I now realize I have to, um, let me quickly, um, I just captured it. Um, and in the review, I do this, I do the mind sweep. Uh, I also, um, uh, pause for a moment and reflect on the week and think, what are you thankful for? Um, what has been a good result of the week? And um, uh, this then uh, transitions sometimes into me looking into my calendar, doing the calendar review. Uh, sometimes I first do um, a little bit of inbox cleaning and uh, a little bit of clarification and uh, organizing. But then it's it gets more and more reflective. Yeah, um, uh, I, I then get, get current, uh, look at my project lists, look at... Uh, what's on there, um, uh, what's happening next week. Since I'm using a paper system, one of the central parts of my weekly review nowadays is transitioning the hard landscape as it is on the weekend for the next week into my paper calendar. The paper calendar itself is not my hard landscape. It's not the, tool, the trusted tool for recording calendar events. It's just a reflection tool and a tool to have a analog overview about uh, over the next week yeah so it always only records the next week um i don't have any inner conflict about which calendar i should trust because it's absolutely clear that i trust my digital calendar because nowadays you just have to have a digital calendar and that's okay um but in the review it's actually a very important part because this helps me to slow down to record one task not task one event one calendar specific day specific or time specific event after the other see how much time do i have for planned or unplanned work uh, note down important things about um, what could happen that day and so on and so on and then i use um, in the paper calendar that i have um, there is the, the top part is actually the calendar part and the bottom part is just a yeah, they thought about it as a to-do list. Of course, I don't use it as a to-do list, but I just write down the projects that are either on my radar or active for that week. And again, I don't have any problem in having trust issues because this is, of course, not my project list, but this is just a snapshot or a reflection of what is true for the next week. Mm -hmm. um, but again, this analog way of writing this down and taking 10 minutes is is immensely helpful um also i find yeah yeah and then i go on um one thing i do from time to time is to check up whether my contexts are um, okay for me or whether i should spin up or delete uh, a few of my contexts because they are too many or they are not appropriate anymore so now that we are slowly coming out of the pandemic um i think that the context will change a little bit and that I will have to adjust uh, some stuff there. And uh, there's also time in the weekly reviews to um, uh, to do this. Yeah, And I do a few maintenance chores. So I have in this um, concept map of my system that I talked about, um, I have one part that describes the review process. It's a little mind map. And there I have just... Um, if I'm reading, um, uh, if I'm reading it, it starts with the mind mind sweep. Then uh, it says, "What are you thankful for? Get clear, get current, get aligned. Check in with your areas of focus and responsibility. Review your project lists and ask why." So there's the natural planning model again. I try to uh, implement the 
revisiting of the projects there mm. and then of course get creative in the end yeah yeah so it's a basic um weekly review um but yeah a little bit of customization here and there mm. sounds like a healthy approach yeah we had um, a meetup me uh, meeting this uh, week where we talked about the weekly review and there was uh, someone in that meeting that showed his list and he had this uh, part as well with the reflection looking back at the previous week and i have haven't done that myself and i haven't seen that really in the past either but i think that is a really really good idea because then you think about what happened and that is a a way for you to actually analyze what was bad, what was mm. good. And you can actually iterate on your, your system or your approach to make it better and work, work uh, a lot more yeah. lenient for you. And, and that is yeah. maybe a little bit, uh, one of the things I personally miss in the standard GTD checklist that you don't really have that reflection on, on your system as a point in the weekly review. Mm. Yeah, the the meta the meta layer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe this is um, this would be. Of course, then you would you are the programmer. Yeah, then you would introduce a kind of incursion, and then you would start <laughs> to uh, uh, dig down into the meta layers. But no, uh, jokes aside. No, you're right. The, the 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 meta layer is is probably missing a bit. But I think that's because this is um, more or less a handbook for beginners, and um, uh, yeah, and and this is just. Um, this is just what, what, what you develop after that, yeah. Mm. I think if the methodology would have been where the book was written, if that was today, I think there would have been a little bit things from the, the agile world also being brought into the methodology mm. and with these kind of things, because it, that can be yeah. really powerful to have that kind of reflection. Yeah. But a lot of people is doing this type of reflection uh, when they are doing more of the, maybe the quarterly or half year or a year review, they look at their their system uh, in, in the bigger reviews. Yeah. But I think I'm, I'm going to do something like that in my, my weekly review, uh, just for a short while, just to, to you yeah. know, think a little bit what uh, how the week was. Yeah. What I'm working at the moment to refine this process is... Um, uh, I try to go through my higher horizons um, and to get out um, a few um, uh, a few affirmations that I just write on a few index cards because I sometimes find it hard to implement the higher horizons because there's just not enough time, no? as Michael just said. So um, I'm trying to get a little bit of nuggets of um, higher horizons in, in very short form, in affirmations form, and just throw them in there so that I can review them. That's maybe something that you can also work on. Mm. Recently, we had an, uh, an episode on, uh, an, on note-taking. And we have been talking about uh, Martin's Evernote story and our approach to Obsidian and... And, oh, uh, and since uh, and since, dear Sebastian, you are a German, you are also mm -hmm. a lawyer, so you would be the expert person to talk to. How do you take notes? Yeah, because uh, of um, Carsten, right? But yeah, but it's not really fair because no. uh, <laughs> I think Sebastian may have been growing up with Settle Custom because yeah. that was quite recently translated for the rest of the world to actually get yeah. this knowledge, which yeah. is fantastic. But but yeah. but let's let's harvest a little bit here, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you're right. Um, in uh, When I did my legal studies, I had uh, a settle custom and uh, or as we call it sometimes Katai custom. So with little settles and um, some things noted down there um, and uh, used it to actually um, um, study for the exams. Yeah. How do I take notes? Uh, I'm there's one aspect of me that we didn't touch upon and it's very dangerous to go there because I'm a fountain pen and uh, paper nerd too. Uh, don't worry, I will not get into it. Um, but that means, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't uh, dare to, to mention it. So uh, please, please <laughs> so go. Let's uh, move on. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, so I, I will not, uh, no, no worries, I will not uh, get into that. We can talk about that another time. But that means actually that for the sake of me loving paper and loving the analog process, uh, I take a lot of paper notes, sometimes scan them, digitize them, but more often I review them, take out the actionable contents and store the non-actionable parts, maybe in digitized form and in condensed form in my reference system and as a typical as as a lawyer you have case files you have digital case files nowadays they are usually in a um, some kind of secure cloud uh, and that's um, how, how we do it and i've started um, uh, diving into obsidian as well because it has this uh, secure and encrypted syncing it's a very good uh, way to to work with that and i'm actually just uh, digging into it it's amazing the plugins are amazing i already found a mind map plugin and a uh, uh, plugin to do little kanban boards um, i like the linking and i've started to organize um, some knowledge around the obsidian title custom approach yeah um, i have to say there's a lot of euphoric about settle custom but Everyone should be aware that Zettelkasten doesn't work for everything. So one thing that I would never do in Zettelkasten is, for example, um, record the actual state of the law. It just doesn't make sense because the law can change. There can be no uh, new court decisions. And it's more intelligent for me to tap into external resources, data banks, if I need to do the research, because I always need to have the up-to-date information on that. Yeah? And pulling all of this into the Zettelkasten can get very difficult. But in the Zettelkasten, in the note system, in the reference system, I can, of course, refer to external sources then. Yeah? I, I, I think that, um, you know, that has been one of my massive considerations uh, moving into Obsidian and exiting all kinds of other platforms is actually thinking about what is a note for me and and I've, i'm drawn to the conclusion that is uh, that my real note taking which is not to my reference system not to my reminders list not to my task managers is actually my own reflections and my own words it's not documents that i pick up everywhere and i actually don't want it in my note taking system and and uh I've only been working with this for a few months and uh, cleaning up a lot of notes, but it gets really interesting if you start, you know, mm. you know, stuff like we talk about. What am I grateful for today? You know, what and you know, doing your day, maybe your daily journaling, or if you do daily journaling, just once in a while, a couple of times a week, so writing down your reflections, or you have seen something, there's something going on in your mind writing that down with your own words and and I think that's oh, yes. the future of my of my note taking system and I also think that that is where you know 
it's it's gonna be uh in maybe in 10 years time it's gonna be a serendipity opportunity to go into the knowledge graph of my uh, of my settled casting system or my obsidian system right if if you haven't read it yet if you are interested read the uh, short essay from Niklas Luhmann uh, communicating with the Zettelkasten. it has been translated into english by um, i think it's on settelkasten.de i can send a link for the show notes afterwards um uh, this is really he describes really how um he communicates with the Zettelkasten and this element of serendipity is important and you are absolutely right this is not for storing intermediate notes i would not never throw uh the notes i took in a client meeting into a Zettelkasten yeah um uh, or um, the notes i took when i reviewed a book um i still have to distill them uh, and to bring them in a form that is usable for my Zettelkasten and if you use the real Zettelkasten approach you also have to atomicize the notes because the 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 of course you can you can alter this you can change this but if you do Zettelkasten 1.0 then you only have one thought per note and the reference and you have a lot of linking between those notes mm. um uh, but of course you can also use other systems but yeah and and um it's so interesting how underdeveloped knowledge management uh, systems in in uh, in the legal industry are um, there's a lot of talk about AI and of, of legal technology. I'm part of that since I'm technology driven and interested. I do a lot of legal tech and and uh, and and research and so on. But um, the the way how we store, how we reflect on knowledge, do we do a debrief after um, uh, after a meta is over? Uh, do we think about what are the takeaways out of this case that we need to store in a separate system, in a reflection system, in order to have it available for other colleagues in the firm if they have a if they have a similar case? This is this is um, not very developed, and there, settled custom systems, uh, particularly a secure one like Obsidian. Um, they can really make a difference. And I'm really looking forward to uh, using this and digging into that uh, over the next years and months. That sounds like a future episode for the four of us, <laughs> because the, I think yeah, everyone are, everyone in this call is actually going uh, more and more into to, to personal knowledge management systems and, and uh, settle Carsten and Obsidian as the tool. There could be others, right? Uh, but but uh, the principles and uh, uh, yeah, we're going to have that episode. That's for sure. Yeah. Guys, we have been having a wonderful conversation for at least an hour <laughs> and um, we haven't talked that much about tools. <laughs> We didn't yeah, get there. Amazingly. <laughs> we didn't get there. No. But for then we just need to bring Sebastian back. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to uh, uh, to revisit this and come back uh, anytime you want. All right, Sebastian. It was really wonderful to have you on the podcast. Really, and I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna take you in again and and discuss more about the note taking and and the settled casting because uh, there's a lot of ground to be covered in that in that topic hmm? absolutely and thank you for the opportunity to be here and uh, yeah thank thank you sebastian is there anything sebastian that you want us to plug um no not really i mean um uh, um so i do some projects but they are in, in german unfortunately some some legal technology projects so no it's fine it's it's really fine 
Yeah. You don't this have is about a, GTD, not about Twitter or a web page or a book or anything. Well, I'm I'm currently not writing a book, and um, uh, my my web page is kind of dormant. Um, if you uh, want to get in contact with me, um, uh, just shoot me an email, um, uh, or uh, you can reach me on LinkedIn, Sebastian Feiler, and on uh, Twitter. Uh, LinkedIn is better because I use Twitter very passively. I don't look at the uh, inbox very often, so LinkedIn is the best way to contact me or email. We will put Great. a link to, uh, a link to your LinkedIn. A link to your LinkedIn perfect. profile. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Have a wonderful evening, Sebastian, and thanks a lot. Wow, det tycker jag var en superbra intervju. Vi hade ju väldigt mycket planerat i vårt, uh, vårt manus, men, men så vanligt så har vi ju bara skrapa på ytan innan, uh, innan tiden tog slut. Uh, hur tyckte du intervjun gick, Jens? Ja, vi var... Ja. Ganske begejstret for at tale med Sebastian. Jeg lagde specielt mærke til hans refleksioner, specielt når han ser tilbage på ugen, hvor han ikke bare nøjes med at kigge på sin kalender og se, om der er noget, han har glemt at få med. Men at han tager ind og kigger på, hvordan er ugen gået, hvad kan forbedres. Det det var jeg rigtig glad for, og egentlig hans refleksion over systemet, øh, sit system, det, det, det er bestemt noget, jeg, jeg vil tage med øh, selv og prøve at se, om jeg kan få inkorporeret øh, i min, min egen øh, gennemgang. Det var, det var rigtig fint. Absolut, jeg kan bare instemme der. Jeg sagde lidt grann under intervjuen også, at det der at man sätter sig ned og reflekterer over veckan og hur det har varit, det er noget, som jeg ikke har sprunget på så direkt tidigare. Och någonting som jag ska börja titta på själv också. Så att jag tycker det är en jättebra punkt att, att faktiskt fundera kring. För att det är ju mycket att man ska förbättra sig själv på olika sätt. Eller göra saker och ting bättre i alla fall. Och då är det faktiskt viktigt att se på vad som hände tidigare. Och inte bara titta framåt och fånga, fånga saker. Utan man vill ha den här processförbättringen också. Som finns väldigt mycket i Agile. Mm. Ja, precis. Hvad var det for dig, Michael? Uh, har du noget key takeaways? Jamen, jeg, 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 bliver jo, jeg bliver altid begejstret og inspireret, når jeg hører øh, ikke-IT-folk øh, anvende øh, GTD. For mig ligger der rigtig meget læring i at, at høre refleksioner og tanker om GTD for folk, som kommer fra en anden arbejdsverden, end, øh, end jeg gør. Jeg ved jo så, at øh, Sebastian og jeg, vi har... Vi har alle sammen en fælles mængde med Sebastian på Tools og sådan nogle ting, som vi så ikke øh, kommer rundt om i dag, og det er helt fint. Jeg synes, at øh, den, hans tilgang til hans system, synes jeg er utrolig spændende. Jeg kommer aldrig til at have papirbaseret system, men, men øh, jeg kunne virkelig godt lide den måde, han, øh, han anvender det på, og jeg tror, det passer rigtig godt ind i den, øh, særligt den arbejdskontekst, som han er i. Og så synes jeg, at da vi var rundt om Natural Planning Model og NPM, synes jeg også bare understreger, hvor, hvor stærkt et værktøj og et tankesæt NPM er. Øhm, og at hvis man kan få NPM til at blive åndedrag, altså til at blive noget helt naturligt, til at blive en måde, som man tænker på, øhm, så høster man nogle øh, helt utroligt store gevinster. Øh, 
For mig er NPM og Weekly Review de stærkeste gevinster i øjeblikket fra, fra GTD for mit vedkommende. Og så synes jeg også, at jeg fik den tanke undervejs, når vi taler med Sebastian, at, at jo mere erfaring man har med GTD, jo mere man har fået det ind under huden, jo mindre systemafhængig bliver man. At, at, at det, er, det er sådan en, en tilbagevendende tanke for mig, øh, også når vi snakker om, øh, at øh, det vil være sundt at, at nuke sit system en gang hver andet år, eller, eller hvornår det nu er passende for en selv. Jeg tænker også, at der næste gang, jeg skal lave mit system forfra, så bliver det også mere enkelt end det er i dag. Øh, det kan man i hvert fald håbe på. Det var i hvert fald nettoresultatet af sidste gang, jeg ændrede mit system. Det var, at det blev meget, meget mere enkelt og overskueligt, og det kom på linje med min praksis. Og så glæder jeg mig til, at vi skal tale med Sebastian igen, for jeg ved, at vi har rigtig, rigtig mange ting tilbage, som vi slet ikke noget rundt om, og det skal vi gøre i en fremtidig episode. Mm. Jeg kan holde med dig, at, at NPM det er et superbra værktyg, præcis som vi, vi pratar om i intervjuerne, at, at man kan faktisk använda det både til stort og smått. När jag lärde mig om NPM i början så tänkte jag att ah, det här är något man gör på större projekt. Det gör man inte på mindre uppgifter. Men det fungerar lika väl på mindre projekt, och det kan vara en väldigt smidig och bra sak att göra så jag tycker, kan definitivt rekommendera det. Och om man så tittar som Sebastian pratar om här att man har fått ett, ett claimsletter eller någonting att man på den lilla nivån har faktiskt använder NPM för att fundera igenom det som ett verktyg att faktiskt hantera vad man vill åstadkomma så man inte bara går in i ett default mode och liksom försöker lösa någonting som man alltid har gjort utan man faktiskt funderar igenom det. Ja. Och det behöver inte så lång tid att göra det. Absolut inte, det kan bara vara någon minut. Ja. Jag synes, att vi ska love äh, vores kære lyttere att vi finner ett äh, riktigt gott skriv till Natural Planning Model för dem, der måtte ha lyst till att läsa mer om det och lägga ett äh, et gott solidt link i show notes till vad det är det handlar om. Absolut, och det finns ju väldigt mycket att läsa om det på, på nätet såklart äh, om ja. NPM. Jag tänkte lite grann på hans papprosystem. Jag är ju själv lite fascinerad över att uh, kanske göra det. Men det är ju just de här med datumerna att man, inte, man kan ju inte automatisera på något sätt. Inte ens det lilla minsta av vårt papperssystem. Uh, och det är ju både en, en, en kysning och ett problem som jag ser det. Ja, och, och, och precis när papperssystem var, var något jag meget, meget overvejet för ett års tid sedan. Fordi det det, det, der er nogle fordele ved at kunne ligesom, sprede øh, ens system ud over hele bordet og få et, et, et stort overblik, som, som jeg øh, ikke synes, man på samme måde øh, kan, kan få, når man øh, putter, putter tingene i, i computeren. Men øh, jeg blev hængende på, på Omnifocus, og, og den fungerer super godt for mig. Men, men, men det med at kunne bytte et helt bord med med sit liv, den, den tanke, den, den, er, den er meget spændende for mig. Ja, og for mig, der er den overhovedet ikke appellerende. Jeg har det jo, jeg har det jo sådan, at, at 
jeg er vild med, når folk får processen til at køre, også hvis det er på papir. Det synes jeg bare er helt fantastisk. Det er virkelig dejligt. Det kommer aldrig til at ske for mig, men øh, jeg kan sagtens fylde mit, øh, mit øh, meget store skrivebord med mit eget liv. Jeg kan bare printe mine lister. Så hvis jeg skulle få den lyst, så ville det nok være den vej, jeg skulle gå. Og det kan sagtens være faktisk, at det kan gøre noget, hvis man laver et, øh, et stort øh, kvartalsreview eller et stort årligt review, og siger, hvad er det egentlig her? Lad mig få det ud på bordet. Print hele projektlisten, som du har beskæftiget dig med i et års tid, og, og, og kigge på det. Det tror jeg faktisk er... Lige det, du siger der, Jens, det er faktisk noget, som, som... Det kunne faktisk være, det var en del, der skulle ind i sådan et årligt review. Print hele gøjemøjet. Få det ud på bordet. Absolut. Jeg tror ikke heller, at jeg skulle gå i et læge, der jeg sætter et, et papersystem frem for et digitalt system. Jeg ser inte det. Men jeg ser forkjusningen i det, og tanken at bare at helt enkelt stryka en uppgift på papper, liksom känslan av att nu är det här klart att stryka det eller checka av det. Det är en helt annan sak om man gör det på papper eller om man gör det i, liksom en, i en digital notebook. Nu har Ma- Michael checkat av eller strykat resten av podcasten. <laughs> ja. Ja. Jag, jag blir alltså berydd när jag talar med Sebastian. Det hoppas jag också att ja, uh, oh, men jag tror det håber jeg også, at dem, der har været så søde at lytte med her, at de er blevet, og måske har fået lyst til at kigge lidt mere ind i GTD, fordi det, det vi jo viser i den her episode, det er jo det med, at det er ikke kun noget for nørder, det er også noget for advokater, og så allerede der indimellem advokater og IT-nørder, som også, der er der jo virkelig altså, plads til mange andre øh, arbejdsformer og alt muligt andet, ikke? Mennesketyper. Så GTD for alle. Bestemt, og det opdagede vi jo bestemt på GTD Summit i, i Amsterdam, hvor den store mængde af, af, af folk, der, der får alle mulige, <laughs> ja. øh, hele verden og alle mulige øh, arbejdsområder, og det var fantastisk. Jeg forstod det som så, at det var en vældig låg repræsentation fra just Danmark og Fredensborg, var <laughs> ja, det er jo hver gang vi har et interview, så kommer vi ind på det store event i Amsterdam. Øh, i, var det i 2019? Det tror jeg, det var. Det var det. Ja, hvor I alle sammen har mødt hinanden, og hvor jeg bare ikke var. Øh, jeg må leve med det. Øh, til gengæld så er vi jo fuld gang med at etablere en øh, GTD sommercamp, ikke også? Og så må vi se, hvor mange der kommer fra Sverige. <laughs> Absolut. Og der får vi spille ind en live podcast, så klart, tycker jeg. Med en masse ja, det det. Men det jag tycker det här var en trevlig intervju och jag vill också såklart prata mer med Sebastian i framtiden. Men det här blev ett väldigt långt avsnitt så jag tänker att vi kanske skulle ta runda av där. Vad säger ni killar? Det är en riktigt god idé. Jag ska det. Tack för i aften. Tack ska ni ha. Och eh, ni kan hitta mig, Martin Hagen, på Twitter som Martin Hagen med... Eh, 2A i Hagen och jag har också en personlig blogg på martinhagen.se Ja, och ni kan finna mig på Twitter på jhpet Och jag finns också på Twitter jag är Mikael Dreves som at d-r-e-v-e-s Tusen tack för i aften Kan jag ha det gott, dräng? Tusen tack Vi ses om två veckor Ciao, ciao Adjö.
it's it's so fun to talk about your own system and your thoughts and um this is really what since the gtd summit this is the huge enrichment for my life talking to you guys talking to other gtds having this exchange is always so enriching everybody uh, was on the you fucking gtd so summit but me yeah Every time we have an interview, every time we do a podcast, everybody was in Amsterdam, but I was not there. And How did I, I miss I, it? How did I miss I could, it? I could, could only agree with uh, Sebastian. Yes. Yeah, me too. It was fantastic. Amazing. And the people was yeah. the, the best part of it. The, the thing about GTD people, right? I never met a bad, a bad GTD. It's yeah. always very wonderful people that, you know, it's actually reflecting on stuff. That's really nice. Yeah. yeah, see, one of my great fears, one of my great fears is to have an opponent, opposing counsel who is a GTDR, because that's going to be very <laughs> difficult, because I know he will be ultimately effective, and uh, we will, we will well have prepared. Uh, a, a lot of fights, uh, but on the other, on another level, he will be a wonderful person, and yeah. we'll maybe have a beer <laughs> after the, the case is over. Yeah, That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Yeah. Right? Actually. So, you know, I hope you'll meet him soon. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Or her. 